you can imagine that the whole student body, the whole campus was shocked and grieving, even though these things happen even among communities of young people, uh, it was a great shock. I remember uh, attending the memorial service for this student. It was held in a local church near the, the campus, a big church. And I walked um, in through the double swinging doors in the back of the auditorium. And there was a group of students here on my right, uh, not even as far away as the piano, just grieving and, and crying and holding on to each other. The student was very popular on campus. He was a spiritual leader. He was on the basketball team. And they were uh, lamenting. And over here, on this side, was a group of students who were laughing and carrying on and giving each other the high five because apparently one of their group had just gotten engaged and she was showing her uh, engagement ring all around. And there I stood uh, in the middle. And it struck me that this was a bit of a parable of the human condition. The happiness and the friendship and the victory and the delight and questioning and doubting and lamenting and death and, and the pain. There's an old hymn that's um, day by day and with each passing moment. One of the lines describes our experience and it says this life is uh, a mingled toil with peace and rest. Isn't that the nature of our lives? It's mingled. The ups and downs and the, the, uh, the ins and outs and the and the tragedy, and the pain, and the victory, and the delight. And I'm calling that experience, which is common to all humans, I'm calling it living in the hinge. Sometimes this way, sometimes this way. That's the way it is. And Psalm 77 is actually built around this in hinge. The, the author, a fellow named Asaph, will take us down and down and lamenting, and then there's a turning point. And we swing up with him. But we live in the hinge. Heavenly Father, as we open your holy and inspired word, Psalm 77, please give us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's walk the path with Asaph. We begin with a cry. Verses 1 to 3. 
Go ahead. I cried out to God for help. The word cry is very strong. It means to shout. It means to clamor. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. The word distress in Hebrew is actually uh, plural. It's like literally when I was in distresses. It's a way of intensifying the word. The word distress means to constrict or to cramp. Asaph felt trapped. He felt, I can't turn this way. I can't go that way. And uh, he felt constricted. He felt panicky. He couldn't breathe, perhaps. When I'm under stress, my heart beats hard. We all have our own uh, physiological responses. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, nonverbal communication. My soul refused to be comforted. Sometimes night brings relief. At other times, how awful to hear the clock strike one and two and three. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused and my spirit grew faint. Why does he groan when he thinks about God? Because his knowledge of God, his experience, his past experience of God doesn't match his current circumstances. He knows, he believes, he is experienced, his faith says God is merciful. What's this? He used to sing, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And now he groans. He knows, he believes, he has experienced that God is powerful. Well then, what is this? I groan when I remember you. One of the little spoken truths about our faith is that followers of God, like Asaph, wrestle with God. This is all through Scripture. It is all through experience. We don't don't talk about it much. (laughs) But it is a fact. Consider John the Baptist. Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Hey, you guys, this is John the Baptist. Remember? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin. Woohoo! The kingdom has come. I'm not worthy. Woohoo! And then they threw him in jail, and he's like, So. <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought you were the one. Are you? Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, one of his biographers says his whole life was a struggle 
against depression and doubt. A fight for faith. Counselor Larry Crabb says that one of the least user-friendly truths that the Bible teaches is that in this life, something is always missing. And if you are just exploring Christianity, you're seeking or checking things out, it's really good for you to be here today and to hear that. Because in this life, in this fallen world, something's always missing. I think Larry Crabb wrote that after his brother died in a small airplane crash. And so this psalm portrays part of normal, normal Christian experience. Lament is part of following Christ. Now, we're not done yet. He takes us down. Uh, we go down even further, verses 4 through, through 9. Because if God has indeed abandoned us, then we descend into silence. And that's what he says. You kept my eyelids from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago, you know, the good old days. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused and my spirit inquired. And now in, in, in rapid succession, six Rhetorical questions, boom, boom, one after the other. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? And that's the root of the problem. If God has indeed abandoned us, then what is there to say? Hope is gone. He descends with lament into silence. But will you please note that even in this lowest point, in this lament, in these rhetorical questions, will you notice he still has faith? I mean, for one thing, he's still talking to God. He still believes in God. The fact that he's wrestling shows that there is still faith, that that's what's causing the tension. And so lament is not a faithless... Uh, you know, offensive way of communicating with God. It is part of normal Christian experience in this fallen world. And then comes the hinge, because we have another part of normal Christian experience in this fallen world. The, the, the psalm starts swinging up at this point. Instead of 
listening to himself, he starts talking to himself. Verse 10, then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years of the right hand of the Most High. What does that mean? Well, the right hand, power, uh, the, the control. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to think about the years when he was present and active in the right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Four verbs. I will remember. I will remember your miracles. I will meditate on your works. I will consider your mighty deeds. You see, he's taking himself in hand. He's no longer letting uh, the devil or his psyche or whatever talk to him. God has abandoned you. Life is terrible. You were deluded. This whole faith thing is, just throw it out the window. He starts saying, okay, 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 okay. I will remember. I will meditate on your Faithfulness, great is your faithfulness, O God, our Father. Verses uh, 13 through 20, the thing he, uh, the particular thing he remembers, you know, the, the years of the, 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 in the past, is the Red Sea, that great, great, miraculous deliverance from Egypt. Now, that happened a long time before Asaph wrote this, uh, hundreds of years, I don't know, maybe like 800 years or something, but it's still part of his history, and he remembers, he wasn't there, but he remembers uh, his people's history. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Verse 16, the waters, this is the Red Sea, saw you, O God, the waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water like today. The skies resounded with thunder. The arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Verse 19, your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters. Though your footsteps, footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Israel groaned for 400 years in Egypt under the lash of the taskmasters. And for 400 years they cried out to God, sort of like this psalm, how long, O oh Lord, what's going on? Did, did you make a covenant with us or not? Because things are not looking like it. And then God proved that he had not forgotten them. You remember, he called Moses the ten, the ten plagues 
miracles. He led the people through the Red Sea. And this was the great defining event of the children of Israel. He delivered them. And that experience, that Red Sea experience, is your experience and mine also, because we were there. We are offspring of Abraham. That is our history also. So we can remember the deliverance of God when things were at their darkest and when they were trapped between a rock and a hard place. God opened a path through the sea. We were there at the Red Sea. We passed through and went up into the Promised Land and then passed through the Jordan River. But at the Red Sea, we saw the waters. We felt the ground shake from the horse's hooves and the rumbling of the chariots. We saw the armor of the Egyptians flashing as they came closer and closer, and God delivered us. That is your story also. But for us, fast forward a couple thousand more years, we not only remember the Red Sea, that great deliverance, we remember what it foreshadowed, or better, who it foreshadowed. A greater Moses, a greater deliverance. Do you know his name? His name was Jesus. And on the cross, the power of God was displayed. We've been singing about that. And that story, 2,000 years ago, is your story also. You stood at the cross. You felt the ground shake. You saw the sun darkened. You went with Peter and John and Mary and stood at the tomb. You saw the stone rolled back. You saw Jesus Christ come out with glory and power. And we remember the miracles of the past. He has not forsaken us. I know that this X, Y, or Z is bad. I'm not sure I have a full explanation for that, but I know that he's still with us. I considered, I meditated, I remember. And that's how to live in the hinge. Somebody has said that every person is either in a trial or just coming out of a trial or soon headed into a trial. And so when you find yourself in that hinge, don't forget to remember. Maybe that's the takeaway for today. Maybe that's the principle. Don't forget to remember. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, do not be discouraged thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings, such as Jesus at the cross and the resurrection, Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. <laughs> we stop listening to the devil's accusations and we start talking to ourselves or 
allowing the scripture to talk to us. When living in the hinge, don't forget to remember. All right, let's bring this together with some memory lessons, okay? Lesson number one. Trials are a normal part of Christian experience. I've emphasized that. I've made that plain. This is normal Christian living. Don't be surprised, the Apostle Paul said, or was it Peter, at this fiery trial that has come upon you as something strange was happening. Don't be surprised. It happened to Jesus, and it's going to happen to you because you're a follower of Jesus, and this is the way it is. The Lord Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world. Number two, thus lament is a normal part of Christian experience. We don't really know quite what to do with lament in a modern 21st century America. We're very optimistic, and we, one of our you know, values is progress, and uh, we're on top of the, the, the world, uh, and yet the Bible is full. It is full of this normal mode of communication also. And our churches have names like Victory Baptist Church. That's a good name. And Hope Community Church. That's a good name. That's a good name. You don't want to name your church Lament Community Church. <laughs> Come, we will help you be a downer. <laughs> your life stinks. Ours do too. Let's get together on this. <laughs> But, you know, that's, there's, it's not too far off the truth. <laughs> lament is a normal part. But let, let's be clear, lament is not an act of faithlessness. It's, a, it's an act of faith, a different kind. Counselor Dan Allender uh, put it this way, a lament is truly asking, seeking, and knocking to comprehend the heart of God. A lament involves the energy to, to search, not to shut down the quest for truth. A lament uses the language of pain, anger, and confusion and moves toward God. Memory lesson number three. Use the body. You may say, Jeff, where, where's that in Psalm 77? I, I don't... It's actually sort of from the context of Psalm 77. That is to say, uh, this is one of the Psalms, and the Psalms were the hymn book of ancient Israel and the, the early church. They, they used to sing these things corporately, which is, strikes us as strange, you know. Oh, Lord, my life is terrible. Oh, Lord. But, the, but when we have that kind of authenticity, that kind of collective voicing of our experience, there is strength. Lament opens up the opportunity for counsel and encouragement and promotes authenticity. It's much better than just sort of breezing over our trials. How are you doing today? Oh, good. Praise the Lord. Good. 
Now, you have to find your own time and place to use the body. I, I get that. Uh, you can be, you know, a downer. I, I understand. But do you have a time and place and a people? Spiritual friendships, small group. Is there a time and a place? Is there a people where you can tell them what's going on and you're wrestling with God? One of the lessons of Psalm 77, perhaps, is use the body, this collective experience. Number four, worship even in pain. That's a tough lesson, but it is It's sort of like Job, right? Though he slay me, I will trust him. If you are in the hinge, keep meeting with your small group, keep coming to church, keep, remain faithful, keep singing. And if you can't sing, and I, I get that, I, I get that, then we will sing for you. But you may find strength for today. Maybe even bright hope for tomorrow. Number five. Don't forget to remember. The church father Ambrose called the Psalms a gymnasium for the soul. That's where we work out. (laughs) It's where we sweat a little bit. Maybe we could also say the Psalms are a hospital for the soul. Or maybe a delivery room for the soul where we give birth to faith. Don't forget to remember. Heavenly Father, as we uh, live in this hinge, help us to do like Asaph and remember your mighty deeds of the past. And do, great Father, give us strength for this day and bright hope for tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray.